0: New metal standouts Disturbed have little in common with the Peter Gabriel-led Genesis. Past the punchy, one-word band names, the groups divulged into different paths. Disturbed ascended up the active rock charts at the start of the new millennium by proving that they were down with the sickness. They toured with Marilyn Manson and were often associated with acts like Mudvayne and Godsmack. Their sound was abrasive, oftentimes looked at as a symbolic death of the true meaning of alternative music, as agro bands maxing out in masculinity took hold of the charts. If Limp Bizkit was music for fighting your stepdad, Disturbed provided the soundtrack for performing satanic rituals on your stepdad. In 2005, Disturbed released 10,000 Fists, debuting at number one on the Billboard Hot 200, The album was noteworthy for the abundance of guitar solos and songs like Stricken and Overburdened, but it was track 11, a cover of the 1986 Genesis single Land of Confusion, that caused heads to turn. 20 years after its initial release, Disturb brought back one of the biggest hits in the lengthy discography of Genesis. Known for its spitting image puppet music video that plagued the airwaves of MTV, Genesis showed the world in 1986 that they were still a viable entity despite Collins becoming a successful solo artist. There were 13 albums deep at that point, a household name and a commercial force. Land of Confusion is the hallmark track on 1986's Invisible Touch, an album that pushed synth-driven sound of the masses through eight complex songs. And for that, Invisible Touch remains an art school album. My guess today, teacher, mentor, girl boss, just some of the ways you could describe this person. I can't believe they're on the show, and I'm so excited to have them on the show. Jen Ellison, how are you? I am doing a
1: 2020
0: okay. That's all we ask. Again, it's yeah. like in baseball, if you hit 300, <laughs> three out of 10, you're doing all right. You, you seem like you're yeah, hitting at yeah. 300 right now.
1: I'm hitting at about a 300. So basically 30% is a win, 30% is a loss, and 30% is, hmm,
0: there's another 10% in there somewhere. And that's, that's the bigger wild card. That's the unknown, which is, because there's still four months left of the year. That's just like, we don't even know.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I don't uh, hear there be dragons, but it's the new math. There's only
0: There's only 90% ever. Oh, thank God we've got new math. That old one was hard. But Jen, I'm so I'm so glad to have you here. Your life primarily revolves around live performance. I don't know if you've been reading the news, but a lot of that hasn't been happening lately. How are you doing being so stationary for once in your life? Actually, uh, wow, that's a deep question because <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Th- this is I've- your equivalent of being in the garage with Mark Barron. Okay, I'm here to pull <laughs> religion out of you. We're going to talk about cats for a little bit. Jen <laughs> Ellison, who are your guys? That's what I really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>, okay, so
1: <laughs> I've really had to sit with myself during this whole pandemic thing. And it has. I'm. Um, uh, I haven't been busy as much, but somehow busier. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> you know I, mean? I like. There's just a lot that's I have to do.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're bouncing from <laughs> Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting. I mean, the commute time might be down, but the work is still getting done.
1: Oh, oh, the work is still getting done, and also, yeah, that Zoom commute is a bear. <laughs> especially when one zoom meeting just doesn't end Mm. and nobody knows how to end it. Mm. And everybody's like, should I say, I have to go to the bathroom. Should I say I have another zoom meeting? Nobody knows how to end it.
0: This is something (laughs) that I found to be a constant occurrence and I will call her out by name, not out of vengeance, but out of respect. I noticed when uh, the wonderful Liz joint Sandberg would instruct a lot of zoom calls they they would go on a little bit and i would be sitting there thinking like man i'm hungry like i like liz i know what the assignment is i know how to execute it let's land the plane liz let's land the plane and eventually oh, yeah. eventually, I would speak up and say, Liz, I, I got to go. I got to go. And it would be okay. So maybe I recommend yeah. just, you know, uh, being armed with a mind and speaking what you mean. Yeah. And also landing the plane. I think
1: that this is the real takeaway. It's just make sure that you t- learn how to land the plane.
0: You don't have to learn how to take off. No, just no. Land. Just land it. Just it's half the battle. <laughs> Jen... We're dealing with, I don't know, again, I don't know how much current events you keep up with. We're dealing with literally institutions crumbling around us. Some good, some bad. We're seeing the world change as we know it. And there has been no greater change in your life than the sudden abolition of (laughs) IO Chicago. Uh, A building that, you know, me as a straight white male in the Chicago comedy scene, I would go to you. I would go Jen. Where can my voice be heard? You know, where can I speak my truth? And you would with you know without blinking, Io Chicago. And you would say, it's not the comedy. It's the culture. That is really what is there for you. So Jen, losing I.O. Chicago, I mean, what does that mean to you? Um You know what? Uh there is um
1: <laughs> uh Jean Paul Sartre uh would uh, refer to uh, terrible freedom. Mm, yes. And it is the thing that is like when the invisible shackles fall away and you're like, I have terrible freedom. It is terrifying. I have no idea what to do with myself. Um, I will say that that I think that's what a lot of people are experiencing. And I will also say, I have never taken a class at I.O. <laughs> N-
0: nor have I, mind you, did I. Take an ex-girlfriend as he improvised Shakespeare. Of course I did. (laughs) Did I spend my Wednesday nights there freshman year watching the very funny all-women Virgin Daiquiri show? Of course I did. Yes, yes. Was I a part of the problem? Maybe. Don't know. (laughs) I think we were all part of the problem.
1: Oh, in a way, we all were. It's crazy to think (laughs) about. (laughs) It is. I feel like I'm very much... uh, I'm, I'm to blame... But so are you, Case.
0: No, oh, God, please. All All of us are (laughs) good boys. Trust me, I am a part of the problem. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, we talk about live performance and comedy clubs, obviously, the sacred space of a comedy club. Jen Ellison, you know that better than anybody. And, you know, right now, we're dealing with two viruses in America. Not only are we dealing with COVID 19, Jen, we're dealing with a far more deadly virus in cancel culture how does that make you feel how has that impacted your life knowing that if you tweet something racist people might ask you to stop doing that i'm here to say i will stop
1: doing that <laughs>
0: well you're listening I am- and you're learning and we hear you we hear you
1: <laughs> and we just want what's best okay so wait for real how you f- what's your what's your take what's your hot take on the cancel culture it doesn't exist it's not a thing
0: louis ck tours matt lauer has a job it's not it's not a real thing and i like and it's not even fun to like talk about people being canceled anymore because it was fun when it was like dorks on the internet talking about it but now like that is a theme at the rnc is like we can't let cancel culture take over this country it's like well it's not fun anymore like this sucks
1: it has actually yeah i blame them for making it not fun anymore to to make jokes about cancel culture
0: yeah it was just like when it was a bunch of k-pop stands coming in someone's mention or like (laughs) somebody made a bad joke on at midnight chris hardwick canceled by the way
1: uh like it was fun Uh, actually yes he was for real canceled
0: (laughs) (laughs) that show no longer exists at midnight (laughs) uh uh just I look back on it, it's like all of the comedians that I discovered through that show. Ron Funches has a career because oh, yeah. of At Midnight. It was it was better. Twitter was better when everyone on the feed was just making the At Midnight hashtags. And then I was, love those. Was, I really did. It was, it was so like, great. It was awesome. And Too bad I've, I've got to like uh, debate politics on Twitter now to be like a good person. I was like, man, I just wanted to do like crazy band names and send it to Chris Hardwick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now you have to you
1: have to have a deep uh understanding of uh democratic socialism and uh the history of the Haymarket riots and like
0: I, I fear yeah. I fear that I might be ostracized at the school that you teach, at the school that I attend, Columbia College, Chicago, because I don't have a rose emoji next to my name on Twitter. I fear the backlash and that's not to say whether or not I support the party or don't. Uh, it's just the inevitable, you know. These these mob-like tendencies that I hear are running the country. Am I next because I don't have a rose emoji next to my Twitter name? Jen, help me feel better about this.
1: <laughs> um, I think that you need to have uh, a, get a pepe emoji. And that <laughs>
0: the frog, will... <laughs> the frog, right? a <laughs>
1: frog. Just get a little frog emoji next to it, and that'll cure it right up. I mean, I'm sure nobody will come for you.
0: No, I'm a noted animal lover. I obviously just, like, want to show my support of agriculture. I mean, I grew up on a farm. I, I might as well embrace the roots that I come from. It's my heritage, Jen.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got it. You, so, like, three frogs. <laughs> three uh, frogs. <laughs> Three frogs and uh, a Kazakhstan flag.
0: Jen, you're here on the Art School Albums podcast. I'm so I'm so glad that you're here. And if we want to maybe shift into the more music part of the show. Now that we've tackled our current events, obviously this show is divided into two segments. It's current events and music. Um, so glad. You were uh, You were posting on Facebook recently, and, and might I say, you've won the internet a few times. You sort of know what you're doing behind the keyboard. Uh, you posted recently that you saw a, a grown man, or at least I'm assuming a grown man, listening to seether loudly in his car uh your thoughts on the band seether a very influential band for me growing up one of my first bands that i got really into i know the hits i'm curious what you know about seether
1: um so i don't know a ton about seether except for my 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 basic understanding is it that it is um uh commercial uh
0: Emo grunge? Mm, yes, this is these, those are the buzzwords I wanted to hear. <laughs> a lot of this show, Jed, is me explaining the four waves of emo to people, whether they want to hear it or not. <laughs> uh, it's become kind of a foundational part of this show, and commercialized emo grunge is, quite honestly, exactly how I'd describe Cedar.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I have to tell you, so the dude, I'm assuming it was a dude. It was so loud the entire block could hear it, and he was singing along. And it was, but it was not just the Seether. It was Seether and the woman from Evanescence.
0: Yes, uh, Amy. Broke, uh, oh, what's her name?
1: Unbroken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah
0: no oh trust me i know the song <laughs> it's uh i see there does a cover of careless whisper that i'm a big fan of i would recommend that if you have not heard it uh I have not heard that the, the lady from evanescence Amazing. as i quickly scroll that was on was that on disclaimer Two? i i can't find it on their spotify but i know the song you're talking about because that was a big hit and again yeah. the careless whisper cover not bad i'm 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 all about i'm a huge fan of covers
1: Oh, my I God, I love covers.
0: So it's uh, a, a foundational part of being a Morrissey fan is accepting, there's a lot of parts to it, but one of them, one of the more fun aspects oh of it. <laughs> there's is... a lot to put back with your love of Morrissey. <laughs> we did a whole episode on it. It was a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> Morrissey will do these covers of, like, 60s girl group songs or like some country song from the 70s, and it has widened my spectrum. I have learned about a lot of music that I ended up becoming a big fan of through Morrissey. I've also learned a lot about myself through Morrissey. But uh we are here on the Art School Albums podcast today. You brought me an album, Genesis's In Genesis's Invisible There's- Touch. Yeah. Uh, it came out on June sixth, nineteen eighty six. So Jen, I have to ask you, what were you doing on June sixth, nineteen eighty six? Uh well, I was
1: out of school and I probably was buying this album.
0: And you're just ballpark, again, I would hate to dox you, but you're roughly how old at this point.
1: <laughs> I was let's see, June sixth, nineteen eighty six. Um I was
0: twelve. Okay, so formative years, your. <laughs> so now you're doing like now everybody's like, what's the math? That's <laughs> not. I, Let's I figure I, this out. I didn't. I didn't mean to uh, reverse engineer your age there, but that's a, that's what ended up happening. Of formative years, uh, was was Genesis the first band that you were really into? Sort of what was in your house growing up, maybe what your parents listened to, and how did you discover the band that is Genesis?
1: So, okay, so I have to like, cause I've done a lot of thinking about this. <laughs> Genesis
0: um, is on the brain.
1: It is on the brain. But here's the thing, when I, so the other day I was, ride, I was riding around with my husband uh, in a car, not like on a horse or something. Um, and we were, <laughs> we were riding around and like three or four Phil Collins songs came on. And I realized at that afternoon. point, I was like, Holy shit, I was really into Phil Collins when I was a kid. And it didn't even occur to me. Like if you ask me who my favorite bands are, I'm like, Queen, number one, will always be number one. Um <clears throat> The Police.
0: Mm, uh, controversial.
1: Well, that's 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 my fourth favorite band. So that's, well, that's my
0: that's your icebreaker question that you always ask is who is your fourth favorite band? I have been made fun of when I specifically answer uh, the L.A. hardcore band Touche Amore, which I only say because if I say Touche Amore, people go, who's that? So I answered their question. I don't understand what people want from me, okay? I'm just trying to give them as much information as possible. I remember during one of these uh, lengthy discourses that was set off by a comment I made in one of your classes. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Are you a big uh, a Bauhaus fan? Uh, where do you stand on, on the 80s goth scene? I feel like I associate that with you, whether it's fair or not.
1: I think that is fair. Uh, because I was really into Bauhaus, I was really into Peter Murphy, T-Rex, mm. um, uh, Sisters of Mercy, um, you know, all the, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't really as much into The Cure.
0: Oh God, um, Cure fan. Here's the thing about The Cure. One of the best bands ever, I think. I love them. I feel bad for Cure fans, though, because there's this imaginary war that they have in their head that the Cure are somehow better than the Smiths, and they're just scientifically not. And I feel really bad for hardcore Cure fans. They're just like, and again, I love the Cure. I think they're great they are not in the same stratosphere as the smiths and people like to kid themselves and say that they are. I just, I feel bad for them. I empathize Mm -hmm. quite honestly.
1: Yeah, I really, well, so I, I think that's a, that's a hot take, (laughs) uh, on the, uh, like the smiths being better than the cure. Although taste wise, definitely like the smiths way better than I like the cure.
0: Jen Allison, that's why I like you. Yep. That's why
1: we friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh joy division
0: yes oh, uh, of course
1: for sure i just like i i liked a lot of post-punk new wave um uh, uh i also was like really into squeeze
0: yes um, i i weirdly know someone that is super into squeeze to a point that it's like cool. really that's the band it- <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a surprise isn't it yeah it's like Oh, I mean, okay, I guess I didn't know... There were people that followed them around the country until I met you, but more power yeah. to you, I guess. Weird. I, I, yeah, it's insane. I it did it okay. Growing up, being so into the new wave scene, I mean, the music industry was a little bit different at the time. I have said before, I think I was put on this earth to host MTV's 120 Minutes. Unfortunately, that is no longer a Kindle. thing. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is no longer an option, no longer an occupation. But mm. were you sitting in a corner alone, pale-faced, listening to this new wave music or were you able to make friends because of it?
1: Well, here's the thing. So uh, Annie Sullivan, actually, uh, you know Annie? mm mm-hmm. um, She sort of coined this phrase for me. Uh, she called me the farm goth. <laughs> <laughs> because I grew up in Black Mountain, North Carolina and it was not a hotbed of goth stuff. I also liked a whole bunch of other types of like uh, uh, a lot of other types of music. Uh, uh, Paul Simon's Graceland is a fantastic album, although way problematic. Um,
0: Here we go. We want to change history again. (laughs) Suddenly something from the 70s comes out and it doesn't meet your idea of progression.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. We really do need to take down that statue of Paul Simon. Um... (laughs) <laughs>
0: Look, um, we have to do it if we're gonna heal as a nation we have to do yeah. it
1: yeah you know if you're not, or not, if you're not gonna take it down put it in context
0: that's all, just um, put it in
1: a museum that's what they're for the Paul Simon Museum <laughs> yeah or melt it down for like fillings of course um I so uh I was really into that I was really into uh Peter Gabriel's So okay which is a a, very, a pretty solid album I think um, but I, like, I really was drawn to, uh, the darker stuff, but I am, was kind of like I am now. <laughs> like,
0: this is a product of many years. What you yeah, see is what you get.
1: This is, look, I mean, look, it you got a little rainbow. I know it's in, like maybe pride, but also just like rainbows. It's just fun. And, <clears throat> I like the dark stuff, but I am also kind of. Like I didn't dye my hair. I wore overalls and hung out with goth kids. And they all kind of, I think they all kind of made fun of me. Like
0: I think they were all just sort of like, what is her deal? So I, I, I completely understand, Jed. That is uh very much an, an understanding. Like, especially like in the hardcore scene where it's these people that like I agree with their messages, I love what they're trying to say. I'm just maybe not as angry about it and I'm just like, hey, I'm just like here to like I like the music and they're like yeah, it's just it's Although, always. I will say I had a pretty
1: active uh, inner life associated <laughs> with the music, which we will get to when we talk about <laughs> Invisible Touch. <laughs> well, but, yes, go ahead. But I was just gonna say that I was just like, I I was just really surprised at how like the um uh uh, uh what is it? No jacket required is an awesome album uh there's so many great singles on that album there's like uh his cover of you can't hurry love is a fantastic cover um what's the other one one with uh the duet he did
0: oh you're you're uh barking up the wrong tree here as Uh i scramble as i scramble (laughs) to buy spotify to see if i can and it's not it's not going to give me the information easy lover easy lover Phil Collins, very very sensual man. I, uh, I was kind of taken aback by some of the stuff on on this album that we're about to talk about. Yeah! And- <laughs> I think especially as we as we get into it and and you telling me uh before we started recording and you know I asked you to send me a list of albums and, and you mentioned a queen album you missed it you you mentioned an arrested development album that I also love but I love that album <laughs> you gave me the caveat that you were listing this album uh in 12 13 14 and that maybe we needed to dig a little bit deeper into that uh so so we're going to do it and the the genesis album invisible touch it starts with the title track it was the most successful single in the band's lengthy history their first number one single in the united states it spent three weeks on the uh, top the billboard hot 100 Jen, this song is good and i did not know what i was getting into when it came to genesis i certainly was aware they existed but look i haven't exactly done a genesis deep dive and i came into this and i was like you know is it maybe a little commercial for my taste? You know, is Joe the plumber going to enjoy this album? Yeah, probably, and normally, that would that would scare me a little bit, but I let the music wash over me, and I really enjoyed it.
1: I will say i like only casually interested in genesis pre this album but i you know i was an infant so <laughs> that, like that is true <laughs> so this album was definitely like it it actually boy uh you know there's so many things about this album that i <laughs>
0: you've really shown me me uh, i'm holding a mirror I, up to society jen in this time of self-reflection i am because, looking to pull this out of you
1: because i was listening to it and i was like there's so many things about this album that are really good and also that really are reflected in how i approach art
0: <laughs> this album which is really hard for me to admit oh god i trust me it's you're, jen you're in a safe space here. Okay, let me say it. All right. <laughs> I, I, no, I walked in the door, was met with hostility. <laughs> we did talk about QAnon for 10 minutes before he came on the air. <laughs> uh, it was just a, a magnificent conversation to start this evening with. Right? Uh, I was glad we had it. I will say, you know, this album, it came out in 1986. And this song sounds like 1986. I mean, the production of it. It's not that it didn't age well, but it is just very of that time period. Was that fair to say? Oh, 100%.
1: There's, and we'll get to it, but there are songs on here that are basically every 80s movie from 1982 until 1989.
0: <laughs> this, this whole album, and we'll talk a little bit more about possibly the cinematic nature of this record as we go along, but I did find a Los Angeles times review of this album. And this is, you know, this album came out a few years after field in the air tonight, the Phil Collins single, he was established as a solo star at this point. And, Uh, The L.A. Times writer Steve Hotchman asked when it comes to Genesis Invisible Touch, was this record really necessary? Maybe the record was made to provide material for the next season of Miami Vice. For dreamy sequences of stalking bad guys, there's Tonight, Tonight, Tonight. Uh, For drug addict freakouts, there's Land of Confusion. For the occasional moments of introspection, there's Throwing It All Away. And I think that's a really, for me, a fair way of looking at this album that just feels so bad big and feels like it needs to be used in stuff immediately <laughs>
1: yes it does it does and also though the the musical choices they make are surprisingly uh interesting they're surpri-
0: they're just surprising they're surprisingly interesting <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> because you're just like oh invisible but like there is something about it it's like the wallpaper of the 80s you don't mm. really it's just there. But then when you really listen to it, you're like, they we're trying
0: some stuff. No, like, I like this. Like this fine. Like it's cool.
1: I don't know if you've listened to anything, any previous Genesis. I did kind of go down a rabbit hole when I knew I was going to go.
0: <laughs> I, I'm very unfamiliar with the band Genesis. They used to do
1: like all kinds of crazy art stuff mm-hmm. with their, with, especially when Peter Gabriel was with them. And so like, there's like one, it's called the music box. Uh, from like 1975 or something like that. And I listened to it and I was like, this is infuriating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about most talking head songs is like, we got it. Like, I know what you're trying to do. We got it. I'll take the hits, but come on guys. Like some of this, oh. <laughs> it's a little much. <laughs> it's, a li- it's a little much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I i have I have some hot and cold feelings about talking heads.
0: Yeah, that is, a, that, is, that is a separate podcast uh, between us. Also, a current podcast between Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott. They are currently breaking down all of the Talking Heads albums, so I do not want to step on their toes. Uh, oh,
1: I don't know if hmm. I <laughs> want to listen to that.
0: <laughs> well, I know I do want to listen to the second track, which is Tonight, Tonight, Tonight. Not to be confused with the Smashing Pumpkins song, Tonight, Tonight. Uh jen i obviously want to know your brief thoughts on the smashing pumpkins and i would like to know what you think about this nine minute long song jenna you should know now i do not care for long songs i think anything over five minutes with the exception of zombie by the cranberries is pretty much unnecessary so again smashing pumpkins thoughts would love those and can you defend this nine minute piece of art
1: okay so uh first uh smashing pumpkins uh eh, okay yep um it yep. didn't it didn't they like they didn't penetrate mm. you know what i mean like it just sort of bounced off me i was like oh okay 1979 is a great song great song um and i like the i like their resistance to um being too poppy
0: that is one um, way to describe it. Yeah, especially in their yeah. later work, they were certainly <laughs> resisting that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, Billy Corgan was like, "You know what? Accessibility overrated. Let me just throw you know sounds what? together."
1: Yeah, that part I just I uh, dissonance. So, uh, of course, you are familiar with Stravinsky' uh, "Rites of Spring." Oh, oh God, yeah. It, as a review, uh, <laughs> because it was so because it was so discordant and dissonant when people first heard it, they were like, Gah! and they like <laughs> lost their minds, and there was a riot because they were just like, this is they and they hit people hit each other because they were so angry. And then like literally a year later, they played it again, and people were like, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, and yeah. I think part of it was because they just didn't have any mechanism for that dissonance.
0: Mm.
1: Now. For me, dissonance in music um, this oh there's like a there's a, a Wilco album that has a lot of distortion and dissonance in it and it makes me angry and I want to hit things. Like I get very angry when look, it, that happens. So Wilco
0: look, a lot of the things in this world right now that are happening, there's a lot of nuance to them. I feel that whole way about Wilco, just in general. It's like yeah, yes and no, and I don't know if I like this a lot, even though I really want to, because I think it fits my personality. But <laughs> I, <laughs> but I just—it's like
1: when you go into your favorite store and you try something on, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna, of course, I I wear shit like this all the time. And then you put it on, you're like, eh.
0: when I go into Lids, I have that feeling often. <laughs> As a former assistant the manager truth at of a that lids. is
1: so amazing, Case.
0: <laughs> look, I was an assistant manager at a lids, constantly performed above expectation. I was basically running a store at 19. But I Of I course under- you were. <laughs> right? Doesn't that just make a lot of sense? It does. Uh but when we talk about Genesis and we talk about tonight, 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 I this song, look one of those where it's like, if Invisible Touch is like, oh, this is fine. Tonight, Tonight, Tonight is like, yeah, this is fine. Like, it's not, it's not necessarily what I would be striving for. And again, the length of it is just so unbearable.
1: Yeah, I, Tonight, Tonight, Tonight was never, oh, I should go back to Invisible Touch for just a second, because I have a confession I need to make. So first, uh, Invisible Touch was a part of sort of a series of songs that I listened to that, um, My imaginary band played.
0: so You're preaching to the choir. Please go (laughs) ahead.
1: (laughs) So I would draw pictures of me. (laughs) And here's what I would wear. I have to tell you what I would wear in these little pictures. And I know I have these pictures somewhere in my family home. It was me playing a guitar with pigtails um, wearing an all-gray tracksuit but track shorts. (laughs) You might have been in the smashing pumpkins
0: ahead of your time. This sounds like some shit Billy Corgan would do.
1: (laughs) I would wear a headband. I was 12. So it was still me as a 12-year-old. I was thinking of me as a grown person wearing this. And then I would have like these fantasies about my band singing invisible touch also easy lover and when i showed my mom one of the pictures she was like i don't think that you should have easy lover
0: (laughs) so yeah i in full transparency i am currently 21 and did not (laughs) peak in high school did not enjoy high school did not even go to the event that i'm about to refer to but my high school's nickname was the royals and we used to have this show called mr royal which was like I guess, like, a male kind of beauty pageant deal. I think a lot of, like, the joke was, like, men acting feminine, which, like, fine, it, like, I'm not going to like, not my thing, but whatever, but they would have, yeah. like, bands and, like, talent interspliced between them, It to this day, and when I was in high school, I would, like, I'll hear, like, a good hardcore song, and I'm like, wouldn't it have been great to play that in front of a full auditorium? And I think about it now of, like, imagine just, like, and again, like, we didn't ask for this. Like, we were invited. So, like, here's the deal. Like, there, if I've learned one thing in school, everything has an equal and opposite reaction. So, if you're not, uh, you know, reacting to these oppressive forces, you're a part of the problem. And then we go into this crazy hardcore song that nobody enjoys. I'm 21, and I still think about that of how cool it would have been to ostracize myself in front of my classmates. <laughs> wow.
1: I I we were slightly different. In my mind, I was like, uh, this my band will be the this biggest band in the world. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but yeah, you do have those like weird fantasies about like I'm gonna. You're all gonna see. Yeah,
0: no, me, me thinking <laughs> like my senior year in high school going, like, I'm gonna be at the cellar. Like, you'll see. Like, I'm actually a funny fucking dude. <laughs> I've got this twisted mind. And I'm gonna go to New York and people are gonna see like, it's like, it's happening up here.
1: So just in terms of invisible touch, it was a perfect like mwah moment for me to like draw my band pictures. Um, And then, uh, and then uh, tonight, tonight, tonight. Okay. So it has that weird like like sound in it.
0: Yes. You know what
1: I'm talking about? I do actually. Um, so unusual, I think yes, Uh, the longer stuff. So I actually have Domino, which is later in the (laughs) I have other thoughts about tonight 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 did not. uh, I think it was one of those that I skipped when
0: I finally was able to get a CD player. Well, I was gonna ask, you said you think you were buying this album the day it came out. Uh, were you buying it on cassette? Were you someone listening to it on wax? Is Are you an early adapter of the CD? How were you listening to Genesis, this album, when it first came out? Um, It was on CD and it was, I think it was so expensive. Yeah, the, the CD in 1986 was not cheap. <laughs> It was like 80 bucks. (laughs) And worth every penny of it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I listen to it all the time. And I was always so, I I thought it was fascinating.
0: Well, Land of Confusion, very fascinating song, track number three. The music video is incredibly famous. Uh, A lot of political satire showing these puppets, Ronald Reagan being controlled by the strings of forces above him. Did your political activism start with Genesis? It might have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not willing to to put anything off to the side as of now. I mean, like,
0: have you watched that video? Oh, many times. That's like, because I, here's the thing, and this will make a lot of sense. I grew up exclusively watching VH1 Classic and then like ESPN when VH1 Classic was in a commercial. So this is something that I've seen before. This is, when I heard this, I was like, I know, I know exactly what the song is.
1: It is grotesque nightmare fuel it is one of the most horrifying uh, they were using so it's the puppets that they were using was they were called spitting image yeah and they were not so there were several things that were, were there were several things wrong first they were very very detailed caricature like puppets but they, they were like kind of foamy So they didn't really have a lot of articulation. So it was sort of a lot of like flop, 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 you know, of the, and it made them even more disturbing. But I watched that video (laughs) every day it came on. And then of course, you know, it's like, I was listening to the song today and I was just like, there's too many men, too many people making too many problems (laughs) and not much love to go around. And I was like, damn. Genesis Genesis
0: sort of hit different. I mean, they really ahead of their time.
1: (laughs) They were, but it was just so like, and then, okay, so here's the thing. This This is another part of Genesis. So it's like this land of confusion, and then there's a bridge in almost every single one of their songs where Phil Collins kind of goes to a different place, and he is thinking about someone who he has had some sort of sensual night with, and then back into the fray so, like, and so it's just so like we help you know uh maybe we'll be together again I don't know let's go back out with all the bullets you know like it's just so it may it, it's like you know how uh I'm sure you were taught this at comedy school um (laughs) that when you yes that's that's where the money is uh that you have to (laughs) that you were supposed to like write from a point of view in a song yes point of view and then usually there's a bridge and you can either support that point of view or you can refute that point of view this bridge does neither
0: (laughs) it's just just a thing it's just out there
1: (laughs) it's just some weird silhouetted Something, and then we're back out with the spitting image puppet.
0: <laughs> well, we talk about the the sensualness of Phil <laughs> Collins, a reoccurring topic, obviously, but specifically now we're talking about, and I think it is uh, at its richest and most intense. And the song In Too Deep, not to be confused with the Sum 41 song In Too Deep, not a cover of the Genesis song, which is a bummer. I would have liked to have seen Sum 41 tackle this. That would be amazing. I would like to see that. Uh, But unfortunately, it's instead this incredibly melodramatic, overarching 80s ballad love song. And I just pictured Little Jen Allison, 12 or 13, in her room just like going through it and so I have to ask you like if this is the soundtrack to your life what could have been happening at this point in time
1: I was in love with my best friend hmm yes he did not love me back.
0: Uh, uh relatable story uh I have obviously talked about on this podcast and I've had my best friend on the show. Uh she not only did not love me back, she started dating another guy named Case instead. Uh which is psychological warfare. I think I remember you telling me about that. I it's honestly it's one of my favorite works I've ever created. Was I did a journal read for your class. And I was like, "Here's what happened." <laughs> i was in love with this girl thought i was crushing it and she's like actually you but better
1: it's oh, the worst and the, i mean here's the thing i wrote him a letter and told him that i loved him and after that he treated me like shit. oh no it the worst it was so bad but then i look back i'm like you know what i was true the best i can you know i love you but i just can't take this
0: that's, I mean, that's poetic in a way. And I think that that really sums up in too deep. I mean, that's that's what that's what the song is. I'm glad you could share that. Get that off your chest. I'm sure that has been, you know, antagonizing you for 30 years now. This rejected oh letter. God. Just <laughs> just for, I, forget oh. the marriage. Forget the career success. It's the <laughs> letter that keeps you up at night. That's the one that you just can't get over. So one thing that I just like I wake up in a cold sweat at least once a week well we go from there to anything she does and you talked earlier about the interesting instrumentation on this album uh, Yeah, and this happens in between ska waves of like the specials in the 70s and like real big fish in the 90s but this has a ska tone to it that I was yeah. not expecting but was into quite honestly you
1: yeah yeah there's a little bit of uh it goes it's like super fast and it has the uh it has the brass in it and then it's and it never it's pretty relentless like yeah. i think there might be a slow part in it <laughs>
0: i can't remember but there might be a slow part in well it. if there is it's certainly i mean this song is supposedly about the centerfold of some racy magazine uh yeah i read that today about it's like if you look at it it's Phil Collins just fantasizing about this woman on paper. So if he's got to slow down and talk to the more sensual side of things, it's going to be about, you know, Miss July, 1985, probably.
1: Holy cats. Now that makes so much sense. I had no idea what it was about. I just thought it was actually, frankly, I thought he was kind of creeping on some young girl.
0: That's what I (laughs) thought. Also a possibility. It is a song from 1986.
1: Also, yuck, but like, (laughs)
0: was i
1: have to say i it's a really good oh you know what i bet it's all about jerking
0: off look we're going there it's that kind of podcast okay <laughs> i'm just here to ask questions <laughs> look i think i think that's exactly what the song was about i just didn't want to say that in front of you makes it well i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate
1: your modesty and not wanting to like
0: offend me, I still have to but... have you for one more semester. I thought I would maybe just just fly above that one. I'm glad you brought it up, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think because that that would explain why it's so fast. <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh uh, well, I, look, I think it's I think it's a great song, despite whatever it's a great song. <laughs> whatever hidden message might be in there. Look. It's a song that I liked, I maybe my favorite song on the album, quite honestly, because I was so taken aback by the instrumentation of it that I could yeah. look past him being a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just goes... <laughs>
1: That's basically every conversation I have with all of my music directors at Second City. It's like, okay, you know that part where it goes... <laughs>
0: And they're like, oh yeah, I get that, I think. Have you ever walked into a Second City uh, show as a director and gone, I just, I need the music to be a little bit like Genesis. I just need that feel to it.
1: Well, we're going to get into it when we when we get to um,
0: Domino. <laughs> well, that's what's next, so let's talk about it. I mean, I, I, before I say anything... I feel like I need to know where this story is going because I've got a question afterwards, but please, you have the floor when it comes to Second City and Domino's.
1: Okay, so here's what I'll say. This is why I think that a lot of these things have kind of added up to ways I think about uh, assembling shows, whether it's comedy or whether it's other types of shows that I'm working on. Um, Okay, so Domino is a multi-movement song. And it, it also is extremely cinematic. It has the thing where it's just like, here we are at this, like, um, you know, we're we're together and we're in this this, you know, you might be in some now, I just want to call out really quickly that there was a huge amount of uh Orientalist exoticism that was happening in British pop at the time. Uh like where there's this there's this idea about like we're in the far east you know like and it's very racist <laughs> it's and very, like it's
0: <laughs> let's acknowledge it it's not good we have it's to deal good, with it
1: <laughs> but it is a part of like if you if you listen to rock at that time like you know uh, uh boy george sort of co-opted a lot of that type of thing um David I think bowie, a lot of bowie.
0: yeah there's a lot of bowie like yeah. that and like it, not even just the song china girl which I like, but there's a lot going on at that song, but there's uh, a yeah. lot of Bowie of like, huh? Okay. Well, all right. Well, that did not age great.
1: <laughs> For sure. Yes. Um, so in this movie, at the beginning of it, there's like kind of this like exotic sounding uh, 80s, exotic. <laughs> yes. <hand> Asian sound. <laughs> uh, and it's like, Oh, there's like, you know the mist is coming through the blinds, and there are two people tangled up in sheets, and they shouldn't be together. But there's, you know, like that's kind of like the image that is brought up uh, in this. And then something awful happens, and they're like, again, we're out in the war, or we're out in the like whatever the thing is. Like it is, it's, it's so bizarre. So you go through that movement, and then you're taken to like, oh, we're watching this on TV. And then uh, and then there we go back to another moment of like, in silence and darkness, we held each other tight and we prayed it would last forever. And then we're back in the war. Like it happens over and over again. This is the plot of every 80s movie ever. Love, war, love, war.
0: <laughs> that's, you know what, that's and the history I, of America, dare I say.
1: Uh, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> they were getting their plots from someplace (laughs) but then uh but then there's like all this weird commentary uh and it's eight minutes long it's over eight minutes long it's 10 minutes long in one of the shows that i directed for second city the etc show apes of wrath there is literally an eight minute space opera in the second act (laughs)
0: I believe I still have the password to the Second City Archives. I will be checking this out immediately after we're done recording. Now, we did break it up so that it wasn't just like a full eight minutes, but it almost was entirely that. Well, it's so funny that you had the same note that I did was the song is just so... Cinematic, and and you think about the relationship that Phil Collins had with Miami Vice and Field in the Air tonight, and I, you know, I I took a gander to my IMDb app, and I was like, I wonder just how many movies has Genesis been in? Have they provided provided the soundtrack to? And I was shocked to see such few results, with the exception of one that stuck out of my mind, which is the 2007 film starring Adam Sandler and Kevin James. I Now pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Uh, no! The song Follow You, Follow Me from And Then There Were Three is in that movie. I was going to ask how you felt about I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. I do feel like I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Ugh, pablum. As a utter dreck. <laughs> as a big Kevin James fan, and I have spent... A large part of this summer watching episode after episode of King of Queens because it is finally streaming on the Peacock platform. That one, that was a tough hit, but I will defend King of Queens. That show is fucking hilarious. And I feel like it's weird that I have to defend what I think is one of the greatest sitcoms ever written.
1: Okay. You know what? Because you have said that, I'm going to, I'll
0: give it a, I'll, I will. I'll give an episode of gander. The the interesting thing about King of Queens is, like, there comes a point in season three, which I think was 2001, just to put yourself in that cultural mindset, where it seems like they got a network note about LGBTQ and just kind of how to navigate it. And uh-huh. it very much comes across like a room of straight white male writers were like, Well, we got to do something. So there's just a constant like references to being gay and like is something gay and it's never like outright like offensive. Like they're never like totally like they're punching down, but not in this like horribly abrasive way. It's just (laughs) funny to look at it as like they were going for something, but they did not know what they were doing. And that is the part of the show that like say that again. Just what a weird cultural artifact! Oh, like, because a lot of the show, like I'm, I've watched, I've watched five seasons of King of Queens this summer, and like, a lot of the show is like, you know, you would obviously have to adapt some things here and there for the modern audience, but it's not this like train wreck of a show. But there's definitely a thing that seeps in of like they wanted to do something when it comes to gay inclusion, and they did not have the tools to do it yeah that's what happens when you have a an all straight all white writers room <laughs> it's, it's very noticeable that again like i think in their heart they were trying to do the right thing It just it was, did not know, get there
1: i know it's like that's what it's like that's just that's a, a a a billboard for diversity right there like you it's like people are like okay so i hear there's some gay people i don't know what that is really i don't really know any gay gay
0: people so we just say things are gay that's that's, it's it's just throwing it out there like they just like wanted you to know that they're aware of it but again like there's no there's no tools to like make it better
1: yeah early 2000s stuff people were really just throwing it at the wall and trying to figure out what it what any of it was or meant or anything
0: yeah. I'm, I'm glad we have it. It's something to look back on and go, okay, don't do this. And like this existed for a reason. And it's just a very interesting part of our life that we now have to deal with. Yeah, it is. It's a weird like reckoning with our former selves. Well, maybe, maybe we could just throw it all away. Like the seventh track on the album, throwing it all away. I
1: say I love you? I say I can? I say that emotions Something we don't share I don't want to be sitting here Trying to deceive you Cause you know I know baby That I don't wanna go We cannot live to
0: oh, you a <laughs> <laughs> about Phil Collins not wanting his girlfriend to leave him. He says, now, now who will light up your darkness and who will hold your hand? Who will find you the answers when you don't understand? Is this song an early version of gaslighting? I, you know what? I don't know. Phil Collins
1: had didn't seem to have a lot of luck with women, with any relationship he was in. And it's like evidence that every single uh, slow jam it is just like every one of them is tortured. Every one of them is just sad. Please don't leave me. I hate you because you're here.
0: <laughs> like, yep. No, I trust me. I got it. I was like, oh, this guy's onto something.
1: So like, oh my god. Or also wistful in silence and darkness, we held each other tight. Like it's all that stuff. And he just doesn't. Like there was a, a a while ago when he talked about um the like he somebody did an interview with him about his love songs because he just was always writing songs about how crappy his relationships were and this is one of them and it never works out it's like the world is a terrible place and we're going to break up and you've torn a piece of my soul out that I'll never get back
0: thanks let this be a lesson to the men out there and i'm speaking to you directly no matter how successful you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much fame you have, if Phil Collins gets his heart broken, you're going to get your heart broken too. And that's just a message to my fellas out there.
1: Yeah. If a guy who looks like a soccer hooligan <laughs> is going to get if his he heart can't broken. can't do it, no one can. <laughs> Oh, I mean, honestly, he is also he's like right at
0: the crossroads of MTV as well. Yes, very much. I mean, in the air tonight came out in 1981, which is the year the channel launched. Yeah. And just before
1: they really started taking people's looks seriously uh, in terms of like a type of person that they just wanted to put front and center, aside from the fact that they almost never. Uh, showed any people who are of color um, <laughs> uh, so there was definitely a type there they only wanted to show white people but then also like uh, he was in that place of like your videos need to be interesting because you aren't conventionally attractive in the way that we think people will like you know what I mean Completely. so it was like this weird I, honestly, I could go down a whole rabbit hole about, about MTV because I believe it's some of the best art house videos <laughs> ever made
0: because they truly had no idea what they were doing. I, I'm, I'm sure you know this. I'm sure you pay attention to Viacom as much as I do. But a few years ago, VH1 Classic, which we just recently referenced, became MTV Classic. And now... All they show is hour-long blocks of music videos, and it's like 90s Nation, and then like Rock Block and House of Pop, and I had it on earlier today, as a matter of fact. I just turned on the TV, and it was on, and a Prince music video was playing, and I don't know Prince very well. I don't know what song it was. The video had to have come out in the 80s, and even now, in 2020, I was like, I cannot believe this is on TV. Like, this is graphic and intense, and I can't believe this made it past any sort of guidelines Oh my gosh, Prince? Holy cow.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, just... it was so many things where we you're just like, there's, people are like, doing it you know <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yes uh, something that took me a long time to realize that my failures I remember being a senior in high school and talking to uh one of my really good friends who is much cooler and just kind of just he gets it on a level that I don't in terms of just like success and women and the whole thing I remember like he was telling me a story about him and one of his you know escapades I was like oh my god people around me are having sex and i I am not like it just like it was like I just didn't realize that the world had progressed without me. I was left in the dust and I can only imagine some Midwesterner in, you know, Indiana, 13 years old, watching Prince and just going like, like this is a whole world I didn't know existed.
1: Yeah, I think that whenever I watched whenever I saw Prince, I I mean, I loved Prince. Um, I love glam rock. I was a big fan of glam rock. I like
0: that, that like tracks, that, one, that That one doesn't I, surprise me. <laughs> you
1: know, I like big things. I like for it to be, that's probably why I love Queen so much is because it's like, look, if you want your sweet, your awesome licks, if you want like some glam and some showmanship, you got that too. You want some amazing musicianship? Yes, it has, it ticks all the boxes. Anyway. Well,
0: yes
1: we're talking about about now also prince and the sex having
0: we were i was a lot i was like this (laughs) on the the tv just one eye open just like a little like i'm scared of this but i also like want this like i don't know what all of this is yeah after madonna
1: humped the veil at the first mtv music awards my mom said we could never watch mtv again (laughs)
0: I just recently watched a video of Madonna, and I promise, Jed, I'm gonna stop wasting your time in a second. We'll we'll talk about the last track on the album. But I just recently I watched a, a great vi- time, so I, I just recently watched a Madonna video. She performed for the first time at the Hacienda nightclub in Manchester, England. And the Hacienda was this great dance club that also it's it's like I know it because the Smiths played there three times in 1983. It's some of their first ever shows. They're all filmed, and they're the most blistering, intense sets they ever did. Like they're crazy. But it was primarily known for being like an early hub of dance music in the in the UK. And the first time Madonna performed there, and I'm not a Madonna fan by any means, but I, I heard about this performance and had to check it out, where she starts dancing at the hacienda and people are frozen. They like don't they like it, but they've literally never seen anything like it and they don't know how to react. And it was like you know my mom talks about like oh my god Madonna changed everything and then you watch this Hacienda video and you like oh my god Madonna changed everything um how old your mom she is 56 okay <laughs> okay <laughs> well Jen on that note we uh we end <laughs> the album
1: I'm just, I'm just like what it was like oh can I be as old am I am I I could I could be your mom <laughs>
0: Is that is that comforting? I don't know what to do with that information. I've, I've com- I mean, who knows? I I- <laughs> comforting? I'm not sure is
1: the right word. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll cancel myself. uh We we do end with the Brazilian uh when we talk about just the I guess the ethnicity and sort of exotic nature of the 80s. titling a song the Brazilian that has like. What I think is fair to call like a tribal beat to it, maybe. And it's this big, long instrumental that ends the album. Do you have any thoughts on how the album closes? I personally think it's a cowardly move to end the album with an instrumental, but that's just me. Why? I think too many artists get held up on what the album should close with. And they try to make this great artistic statement. I point to uh, consistently Weezer's Pinkerton, which is um, a very problematic album as discussed with Jake Klingensmith on the first episode, but uh, it's an an amazing album. It's incredible. And then they end with just this soft, you know, not even ballad. They just, they completely changed the tone of the album and went in a different direction. And what the one where they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry? That's most Weezer albums. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something like that. But, you know, yeah. I, I think, uh, like, a perfect album closer is Speedway by Morrissey on Vox Hall and I, where it is a culmination of everything. You are bringing everything to the forefront, and it's loud, and it's explosive, and it tells a story. And an instrumental is... <laughs> maybe inoffensive in its approach, but it is, I mean, if I was crafting an album, I would want to say something on my last track. I would want to send the folks home with something, not just the bleeps and bloops that maybe Tom York might find interesting when he's crafting Kid A, but it's not really something that I want in my life. Wow. Wow, Case! (laughs) That became anti-Radiohead, which it didn't start, but most things I say end up being (laughs) anti-Radiohead. <laughs> uh oh, well that might be the thing that gets you canceled. Oh god, I just um, I'm not sold on them still, but okay, go ahead. Oh, I
1: get it. I get it. I get it. I have some hot and cold feelings about Radiohead too. Don't save it for Reddit nerds. So
0: <laughs> save it for Reddit. That is that is advice I'm taking with me into the future.
1: <laughs> so um okay, i think the brazilian despite its potentially uh exoticized racial racial problems is a fantastic instrumental it's experimental it does not and it's also it tells a story in my mind listening to it when i was a kid Mine had mostly to do with wolves saving me from assailants in the woods. Naturally. That was the story that I was telling myself I was listening to this.
0: No, of wow. course. I completely I understand you what you, you
1: mean. I have never said aloud to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's because it's nighttime. It's scary out there. It is scary out there. There might be wolves. <laughs> there might be wolves. Who might be your friends that you don't even know. Anyway... So we, um, uh, so I listened to it, and like I actually like it has a great build to it, and it a- after a while it distorts a little bit, but not in a way that's like offensive. It's very, uh, it's like it builds on itself and kind of goes on that rhapsodic thing where it like kind of creates other themes. I think it's a, I think it's a great. Um, it's definitely 80s. It's definitely of its time, but it is a great instrumental. They use it in Palm Springs, the movie that's on Hulu currently. Good to know, have not seen it, but I've heard good
0: things. It's really cute. I like that i <laughs> I like that. I'm now is, excited to watch it
1: i liked I actually liked it quite a bit. I was dubious, but I had a good time.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I like to hear. Jen. I've had a great time recording this podcast um What would you like the people to know? What organization uh, would you like to shout out? And if you would like, where can people get in touch with you?
1: Um, People can follow me on Instagram at uh, JenJen1138 or on Twitter at JenJen1138. I'm not terribly um, sniffy about people friending me on Facebook, but uh, that place is evil so uh <laughs> i mean the other stuff's evil too but you know you gotta. But it's
0: different it. we, we accept it
1: it's a different type of evil um so yeah uh gen, gen 1138 tends to be the best uh way of getting in touch with me if you want um and then uh so the the place that i am uh <laughs> that i want to tell you about is called the chicago alliance for against Racist and political repression. Uh, they are the sponsors of the uh, the Community Police Accountability Council, um, which is an ordinance that gives accountability, uh, or that for, that forces the police to be accountable to the citizens and not just to the mayor. Um, so it is. Uh, but Chicago Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression is an excellent organization.
0: Well, Jen, thank you for letting us know that. Uh, obviously, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore case low c a s e l a w e. You can find the podcast itself on Instagram at art school albums. Uh, this week. I would like to let people know. And as we're recording this, uh, basketball has gone on strike. I don't know if there will be a season or not. If the players decide to return, I support them. If they decide to go home, I support them. But specifically, Brown Brothers Salute.org It is run by Sterling Brown of the Milwaukee Bucks and his brother, Shannon Brown. Uh, they are established to provide events, programs, and services to resources uh, and resources to underserved youth and adults within low income neighborhoods. And you can donate there and find out more information at Brown brownbrotherssalute.org there will be a link in the description to that organization as well as the one jen was just referring to jen i ask you one more question before we exit this podcast and that is when we talk about genesis's invisible touch which was given a four out of five on the rolling stone album guide and a c plus from village voice i ask you to put yourself in the shoes of where you were when you first heard the album who needs to hear invisible touch and why
1: Oh <laughs> Wow uh, let's see um, it is for 80s freaks it is for uh lovelorn romantics uh, it's also for people who don't know shit about activism but are interested <laughs> uh, um, and it's for people who are who like weird synthesizer licks
0: I think that perfectly sums it up. Uh, Jen, thank you for joining us. This has been a blast. Congratulations on growing out your undercut. Last time I saw you, I know there were some uh, concerns about that. I'm glad to see everything has worked out on that front. And I thank you for listening to the Art School Albums podcast. This has been Genesis, Invisible Touch.